Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Hey, uh, we're continuing our I Am series today. I'm looking forward next weekend to having our Mackenzie campus pastor Tim Lucas and our Mackenzie young adults uh, pastor Lauren Lucas. Tim and Lauren are married, um, but they're coming to share with us on camp and uh, super excited about that. Former youth pastors and uh, stepped into some different roles. But really exciting as I look through our camp list, we got over 50 teenagers and then add young adults to that. I said to Lauren, bring your youth pastor uh, prowess to the sessions because it's going to be very young as well. So uh, looking forward to being in the room next week with them and uh, looking forward to someone else bringing some input to our community. But today I want to talk about a passage that uh, for many of us will be very well known, a statement that Jesus makes about himself that we may have heard many times. And uh, what I want to say today, for some of us won't feel like it's that brand new, but this is steeped in challenge. And so today, I want you to come with open hearts that God might want to poke on something in you again or remind you of something or uh, reignite something in you that has been lost as we look at Jesus' statement when he says, I am the light of the world. Why don't we pray as we open the word together this morning. Lord, for some of us, these words today are so familiar, but we don't want to let familiarity breed uh, just an apathy in us. God, I want to pray that you would bring your word alive to us again today. Lord, for some of us, we'll be hearing this for the very first time. This is such a beautiful picture of who you are and who you call us to be. So Father, I pray that as we open your word, your word that was spoken, your word that was lived, your word that was experienced, and your word that still gives us life, that it would do that for us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, The statement Jesus makes about himself, I am the light of the world, comes in the context where it then turns into a debate around um, legality. In other words, Jesus makes a statement and then the Pharisees want to argue about, well, on what basis do you make that claim? Who is your witness? Because in the ancient world, you needed multiple people to bear witness to anything you claimed as truth. And so I just want to read the very start of that passage because I don't want to get into the legal argument of the passage today. I want to take it in a different direction. But in John's Gospel, chapter 8, Jesus says this. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And John's gospel seems obsessed with this metaphor, this image of light. And Jesus speaks to this idea of light um, quite a lot. And light in the context of the scriptures has a whole bunch of different applications and suggestions. Uh, Any AFL fans in the room watching the Brisbane Lions a few weeks ago at the Gabba? I mean, millions of dollars worth of playing talent on the field, tens of thousands of people in the stands, and then all of a sudden, boom, the lights go off. And the game stops. Because it doesn't matter how talented the people on the park are or how passionate the fans in the stadium are, if there's no light, there's no game. Because light illuminates. We all know that. I see that in my kids. Sometimes when we're not home, uh, we'll come home and every light in the house has been turned on. It's really bad for power bills, but there's something about light that just makes everyone feel better about what's going on because light illuminates. A few years ago, I went camping with a few of my boys. Actually, it was just after Eli had finished grade 12. So 
uh, about three years ago and we went camping on Stradbroke Island. Now, I love camping. I can't wait till next weekend. My boys love camping, but there's a little soft edge to the main family. You see, I love camping, but I love a shower at the end of the day. Right, we've been down on the beach fishing. We've been in the sand. There was salt water. I love a shower at the end of the day, but it was getting quite cold at the time of the year. We went to Stradbroke, and uh, we were camping down at Main Beach, so there were no facilities, no amenities, no power, but I'd set up a 12-volt uh, solar, 12-volt uh, little shower that you could plug into my car and we heated up a bucket of water and each of us took turns having a shower because the main men were a little bit soft and a little bit precious. And anyway, I've gone and it's freezing, so it's just like, how quickly can I do this? But there's nothing better than climbing into your swag and your sleeping bag, clean and fresh, right? I have my shower, I'm behind the car, it's pitch black. Harrison goes, has his shower, behind the car, pitch black. Eli goes behind the car, starts to strip down, starts to have his shower. And as he does, the guys that were camping next to us come back from fishing. They'd been gone for like six hours, right? And they get back to their campsite and Eli's like nearly stripped down to nothing and he's halfway through his shower and they come into camp and grab a cup of diesel and throw it on their fire that just had smouldering uh, kind of embers all day, and all of a sudden, the whole sky lit up, and Eli, fully exposed for the entire Main Beach camping uh, fraternity to see. It was quite a great moment, but light illuminates. We understand that, and so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he wants to let us know that he is illuminating something. The beginning of John's Gospel, this is how John tells the birth narrative of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world... Jesus wants to say that he illuminates things. He makes things clear. He makes things that which are hidden and unseen, seen. One of the things that Jesus illuminates for us is a picture of who God is and what God is really like. Later in John's Gospel, he's having a discussion with his disciples and one of the guys, Philip, says this to him, you show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus answers, don't you know, Philip, that even after I've been among you such a long time, that anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. In other words, what Jesus says is, if you want to know what God is like, look at me. Because I'm the light of the world. Jesus illuminates. He makes clear. He shows us what God is truly like. But light doesn't just illuminate, light guides. Shared this with some of you some time again, so I apologise for the retelling of the story. But 12 months ago, Chrissy and I went to uh, the Cape Otway Light Station, which is right down on the Great Ocean Road at the bottom of Australia in Victoria. And uh, we climbed the light station. And one of the really interesting things they were telling us about was how treacherous the waters, the Southern Ocean is for the navigation of ships. And when they were designing light stations and they were deciding how high they should be and how powerful a beam of light they should have, they 
they started to recognise that one of the important things was if you could cast a beam of light where with the curvature of the earth and the falling of the beam of light, the point where that light disappeared. In other words, when you were far enough offshore that you couldn't see that light, that was the point where you knew it was safe. So right on the fringe of where the light disappeared, you knew that that was the safest passage. In other words, it said, don't come any closer. See, light guides. And when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he wants to guide us. And the light station guides people through treacherous waters. And Jesus' presence in our life can help guide us through the treacherous waters of life and culture and everything that wants to come, as we spoke about a few weeks ago, to kill and destroy and take away the joy of life that God has given us. You see, light guides. It actually helps us navigate the psalmist says it very simply. He says, your word is a lamp is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, what? The light of God guides us. It guides us through treachery, but it also guides us home. Again, when we're camping on Strati, sometimes when you come in the day and everything looks familiar. And if you've ever gone beach camping on Stradbroke, Island or North Stradbroke Island, you would know that as you drive through the dunes behind there, there's a whole bunch of little camping spots. And in the day, it's really easy to understand where you're camping. And there's all these beach kind of tracks that help you drive through the dunes, which is awesome until you're driving down there at night and you have no idea where you are. So setting up a light that guides you back to your campsite is really important. You see, the guiding light of Jesus doesn't just help us navigate treacherous waters. The guiding light of Jesus also is the thing that welcomes us home. In other words, it shows us where we're truly meant to be. And as we lean into his truth and into his word, Jesus illuminates God for us and illuminates the path that he wants us to walk on because the path that he has for us is a good path. And when we ignore the light and when we ignore the guidance, we start to step into some treacherous places. So light, light illuminates and light guides and finally, light exposes. You walk into uh, one of my boys' rooms in particular, I usually know what's going on. We have outdoor blinds because it's on the back side of our house and so the afternoon sun's quite powerful and so if the back blinds down and then the inside blinds down and then the lights are turned off, I know that's a day where the jobs that were meant to be done in the room haven't been done. And all it takes is one flick of the light switch and raising of the blinds to expose what is hidden in the darkness. We get this whole idea, don't we? That light exposes. John again says this as he talks about light. He says, this is the verdict. Light, or Jesus has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. You see, when light comes, light exposes and things that live in darkness or fester in darkness or exist in the darkness don't want to be exposed by the light. And something that's really important, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but something that's really important for us to get our head around in this is there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in our world that doesn't want to be exposed by light. So if you choose to be a person of light, you're going to expose some things or uncover some things or make some things known that are going to actually bring opposition because light exposes. And John says, light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. 
But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. In other words, part of what Jesus does is he actually shines a light on that in our life, which is messed up and that which is broken. Shines a light on that in our communities, in our families, in in our systems of government, in our systems of culture that actually show that which is broken and fractured, which loves to fester in the darkness. Because when the light of Jesus comes, it exposes that which is evil and that which is broken. And that's going to lead at times to confrontation. This series is called I Am, and we're looking at the I Am statements of Jesus, but I want to take this to a different level today because not only are we aware of Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, Jesus also says something very, very important and very pertinent in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. He says, you are the light of the world. So get this, I am, you are. I am, Jesus says, and you are. I am the light of the world, and you are the light of the world. A town that's built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We've already seen that Jesus' light illuminates. I want to ask you the question this morning in this. Are you living an illuminated life? Are you living an illuminated life? Because Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, but he also says to you, you are the light of the world. In other words, if you are a child of God, you are now called to be light. So are you living an illuminated life? A few years ago, a Christian research organisation or a research organisation that I think has... uh, Uh, Christian leadership known as McCrindle Research did uh, some surveys and some research on faith and belief in Australia. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there that shows the changing trends and changing attitudes and changing belief system of culture in Australia at large. One of the things that they found, they asked a question on what things actually attract you to Christian faith and open your heart to exploring it and what things repel you. And so the top repellent for people wanting to explore Christian faith in Australian culture was hearing from public figures and celebrities who are examples of that faith. In other words, you know when we think it's going to be clever to roll out the latest NRL football player or, you know, top basketballer or top public figure and we want to bring them along to our breakfast because we think their name is going to be the thing that attracts people to Jesus? This survey says that it's actually the very thing that pushes people away. Now, I'm not saying that people that have celebrity status in our culture that are followers of Jesus aren't great assets for the kingdom. But I think our culture is saying, stop trying to convince us by putting a celebrity face on your Christian faith. Jesus said, I've got nowhere to lay my head. Jesus didn't live the celebrity life yet. We sometimes think that if we convince people that this is really cool because all the cool people follow Jesus. No, no, no. People have said that the very thing, the top repellent, 27% of people said that hearing from public figures and celebrities who are example of that faith is the top repellent from wanting to explore it. But you know what the top attraction was that invited people to want to investigate spirituality and faith? Observing people who live out a genuine faith. 
the top attraction or the top thing that opened people's heart to wanting to explore Christian faith was observing people who live out a genuine faith. You know, when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, does that make sense in light of that research? And words, what people want to see is if you really believe this, how does it change your life? If you really believe this, how does that apply to your family? If you really believe this, what do you do when you lose your job? How do you respond to that? If you really believe this, how do you treat people that don't treat you well? If you really believe this, are you telling everyone else to care for the poor or are you actually doing something about it in the way that you live your life? If you want to know the greatest evangelistic tool that you have in your life, it's the way you choose to live your life. So are you living an illuminated life? Because Jesus says, you are the light of the world. In other words, people are going to look at you and make a decision on Jesus. And that sounds unfair and unnecessary. And you just keep wanting to say, don't look at me, don't look at me. Look at him, because I'm no good. But sometimes that vulnerability is the very thing that we need to show. Not the pretense that we've got it all together. But let me tell you about what Jesus is doing. Let me tell you about the things that he's reforming. Let me show you the way he's transforming me. I'll be very honest about my brokenness and the things that he's still got work to do on. But let me show you the difference that Jesus makes. Your life is your greatest evangelistic tool. And the, the, the thing that people want to say time and time again about the thing that pushes them away from church is this thing called hypocrisy. And I think sometimes it's a weak argument and it's an easy go-to because I'm not trying to get people to believe in Andrew Mayne. I'm trying to get people to believe in Jesus. But people, whether we like it or not, are going to look and understand, see whether our words and our actions line up. So let me ask yourself, let me ask you this. What does it look like for you to live an illuminated life? How do you deal with stress? How do you speak to others when things aren't going well? How do you deal with the differences you might have with someone in your circle of friendship or within your family? How do you react when people that just don't like you treat you terribly? How do you use your money? How do you drive your car? How do you speak to your neighbours? How do you speak to those that are employed by you? The greatest attraction in our culture to people wanting to or being open to investigating spirituality and faith is watching people who live out a genuine faith. Not a perfect faith, but a genuine faith. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And as people observe your good deeds, guess what they're going to do? They're going to give praise to your Father in heaven. They're going to give glory to your Father in heaven. What's it look like for you to live an illuminated life? What does it look like for you to live a life filled with light that guides others? See, we're called not... Uh, people want to know what it means to, to be a Christian. Well, I always talk about myself as a follower of Jesus. Looking at Jesus and learning to follow him, well, we live in a culture that people are looking for people to follow. We're looking for people to follow. I just want to... I could speak to a whole range of things here, but I just wanted to speak for a few moments to those of us that have the opportunity, whether through church, through our youth ministry, through our kids' ministries, through your job, to lead those that are young. Because young people are looking for people to follow. Some of them are growing up in a generation where their parents don't even know 
which way is up. And so they're looking for role models and people to follow. And therefore, the way you live your life matters. If you want to be a leader in the Christian community, you've got to be willing to welcome scrutiny into your life. I tell you, from someone that stands in this position and stands in this role, it's not always fun. But you want to be a Christian leader in the day and age in which we live? Be willing to welcome scrutiny into your life and be willing to give an answer. I encourage you, be vulnerable, be authentic, be honest. If anyone here is looking for me as their picture of perfection, can I just debunk that myth right now? Spend five minutes with you, I'll give you a list of things that might actually point you to someone else. But if you want to be a leader, you've got to welcome scrutiny. Because when Jesus says you're the light of the world, he doesn't just want to say you're illuminating things for people. He also wants to say, I'm going to welcome you to be those that guide others through the treacherous path of life as it comes. Through everything that's going to cry out to our young people and invite them in and dress itself up as good and whole and life-giving. Who are the ones that are going to be that are actually going to guide this next generation through the treacherous paths of the world in which we live? I want to encourage us. We need to preach the message of Jesus with our words and with our actions. And we need to keep moving, keep lighting the path, keep walking forward and invite others to follow us as we follow Jesus. It's in a weird context in 1 Corinthians where Paul's talking about worship and communion. But Paul pretty much says to this church that he writes, he says, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. In other words, Paul says, I'm going to show you what this looks like. And so some of us, as we point others to Jesus, some of us that are here and are mature in our faith, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, one of the things that is not on someone else for you but is on you is to grow up in your faith, is to mature in your faith. It's not on your life group leader, it's not on your youth group leader, it's not on your pastor, it's not on someone else in your family. You, as a follower of Jesus, have to take some ownership in growing up in your faith and maturing in your faith and getting to the point where you can say to others that are still young in their faith, hey, I want you just to watch what I do because I've spent a long time watching what Jesus does and I've learned to imitate him and I want to help you grow into that and so I want to show you how it's done. So as we learn to imitate Jesus, we invite others to watch us and to imitate us. What does that look like if you take that into your vocational world? If you're a tradesman here today, how do you take the next young follower of Jesus in your world and say, I want to show you how to navigate this world as a follower of Christ? If you're a teacher, how do you take the next young Christian in your world and say, I want to show you how to navigate this as a follower of Christ? If you're a parent, how do you take a young follower and say, okay, we've been watching Jesus for a long time and working this out. We're not going to get it all right, but let us show you the things that we've worked out because we've had our eyes on him. You see, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he wants us to know that his light guides us. But when he says that you are the light of the world, he wants to invite you to be guides for others. The only way we become guides for others is we keep our eyes fixed on the true guide and then we invite others to imitate and follow us as we fall in line with him. Finally, I'm going to get the band to come join me. But finally, light illuminates. Jesus' light illuminates and he calls us to be ones that illuminate. 
Jesus light guides and he calls us to be ones that guide and finally Jesus light exposes. And he invites us to be ones that shine his light and expose that that is broken in our world. You see, following Jesus is going to be countercultural because it's going to expose some things in our world that are broken. And the invitation, especially in this day and age, is are we willing to live counterculturally even when that places us in the minority? Just because our culture says that we're on the wrong side of history on an issue doesn't mean that we are. And there's going to be some things that we're going to have to choose to live counterculturally in. Just because culture has decided that it's okay young people to go and live with and sleep with whoever you want doesn't mean that that's Jesus' plan and desire for your life. And people, don't, people want to talk about a whole other bunch of issues around sexuality in the church, but let's just come back to a really simple and core one. And that is that the greatest picture of relationship is that you covenant in marriage with somebody, not that you go and check out everybody that you think might be someone that you're compatible with and then decide whether you're going to jump in. And so saving sex for marriage is God's intention. And just because culture laughs at that as a picture and thinks that that is way outdated doesn't mean that it's not God's intention for your life. And it's His intention for your life because of God's good intention for your life. It doesn't mean that if you haven't chosen that path, that God's grace won't cover it and redeem you and restore you and bring healing into any brokenness that that's brought in. But it doesn't mean just because it's countercultural that it's not the way that God wants us to live. So will you live counterculturally even when that places you in the minority? See, your life is going to expose some things that currently now exist in the darkness. Your life might expose greed or corruption. Your, your light might expose broken relationships or bad ways of doing family. You see, if you're going to choose to be the light of the world as Jesus invites you to be, sometimes the light that you shine is going to expose some stuff and it's going to make things messy. That doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. Jesus says in this world, you're going to experience some pain and some opposition. Don't worry about it. He says, I've overcome the world. But expect opposition. And as we shine the light of Jesus into our world, there's going to be some opposition. But the invitation is, as He is the light, will you choose to be the light? Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Then He says to you, you are the light of the world. I want to ask you this morning, will you choose to let your life be an illuminated life? Will you welcome at times the spotlight being shone on you? And if right now the thing in your spirit says, don't shine it on me. Ask Jesus, what is it you want to keep transforming in here? So others, others aren't going to see perfection, but others are going to see a masterpiece in progress that day by day is being healed and transformed and shaped, is growing in grace, is growing in kindness, is growing in compassion, is learning to forgive quicker, is learning to drop, drop grudges quicker, is learning to be more generous with their time and more generous with the people they hang out with and more generous with their finances, is learning to serve in other, in other, rather than being served. You see, welcoming the illuminated life isn't asking for you to pretend that you're perfect, it's actually allowing others to see the journey of what Jesus is doing in you. Will you welcome the illuminated life? Will you choose 
to grow in maturity in your faith so you can help guide others on the path of what it means to follow Jesus and discover His life. And we choose to stand counter to culture. Even when the light that shines from you exposes that which is going to be confronting for those that see it. I'm the light of the world, Jesus says. But here's the challenge. You are the light of the world. Will you be his light? Can we all stand together this morning? I just want you to take a moment where you are right now. I just want you to maybe just do your little transaction and deal with God this morning because maybe there's a challenge in all of that for you that you recognise that you've been looking at the light of the world but you haven't actually taken on the vocation of being the light of the world. And this is an I am, you are moment. Jesus says, I am, but then he says, you are. I want to ask you this morning, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, are you taking on the you are bit of that statement? Taking it seriously and choosing to be someone who, because of the light that God is shining in you and through you, will see transformation happen in the lives of others. just wonder if where you stand, if this is something you need to respond to today, you just might want to pray a simple prayer that says, Jesus, today, help me be your light. I choose to be your light. Help me to live the illuminated life. Help me to live the life that guides others. Help me to live the life that still chooses to stand firm even when it's counter to culture. You are the light of the world, Lord, and today I choose to be Thank you, Jesus, that you are the light of the world, the perfect light. And Lord, none of us will ever be the perfect light, but God, it doesn't stop the invitation you give us to be your people in this world that's shining your light into dark places. Helping people see the goodness of God and the grace of God and the kindness of God through our life. The generosity of God. The forgiveness and the healing that comes from heaven because of the way we choose to live our life. God, would we take up that vocation? Would we take up that call? Would we be people who choose to be your light, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to welcome our prayer team to come join us at the front this morning. As with every time we meet, if there's just anything going on for you, it might be to do with today's message. Maybe today you just need to walk forward and say to someone, hey, listen, I'm really struggling with this. There's a uh, there's something going on for me that I've just got to deal with. I've got to confess. I've got to make right with God because I want to be the light that He calls me to be. Our team would love to pray for you. Maybe you just got something going on in your family or your work or your health and maybe you just need someone else to stand with you and pray today. It doesn't matter what your reason. Our prayer team's always here just to stand and minister with you every week. So you can take that opportunity to come and as we sing and as we finish our service to have someone pray with you. But why don't we just sing out this, what I think is a prayer for this moment for our church. I speak Jesus or we sing it together as we finish our service. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.